Hello everyone, welcome to Tea Time Reports. This is Trevor, and I'm doing a solo review and uh, kind of an analysis on Attack on Titan Season 3. I've finished the first two seasons of this uh, show already, and I just finished the third uh, kind of prior to this episode. And um, I love it so far. I think the story is incredibly interesting and kind of kind of out of this world um, in that regard. It's kind of insane. Um, but the artwork and the animation is also something that sets sets this show apart from many others. Um, just how they're able to like make these characters like do what they can do. Like <laughs> it, it's just insane how it looks, especially. But um, took hella notes just because this season was kind of I would probably say my f- second favorite. Um, my first favorite. It's gotta be the um, the first season, just because of how kind of, like fresh it was. But um, yeah, my main notations. Before I give you my notations on the whole season, let me just briefly go over some Rotten Tomatoes stuff here on this um, this season three, which came out in 2018 through 2019, is when it uh, was being aired and like streamed. Seven reviews for the tomato meter at 100%, and then 500 plus ratings on the audience score at 94%. It's definitely really good. It has 22 episodes, I believe, in this season. Yeah. Really um, intuitive, as well as they dive a lot deeper and kind of circle back to question marks in the first couple seasons where, you know, we didn't know what happened to Marco. Um, he just kind of mysteriously appeared dead, uh, during the fight with, um, Aaron and Annie, and genuinely one of the things that I was always curious about, like, what happened with him, what, what, what went down, um, but I'm glad that they were able to finally answer that and kind of show what happened on a lot of stuff. Um, in that regard, so a lot of questions wound up being answered, and again, I'll revert to my notes here, since I kind of took them in the order of, you know, live, like, watching this season live. So pretty much, the Titans are in the walls, we find that out in season two, we find so many things about the human society and this... And these three layers of walls are just kind of lies. The Beast Titan has, like, incredibly, like, weird powers. How he can kind of communicate with other Titans and, uh, you know, make them all converge on one location and swarm the Scout uh, Regiment. We also kind of find out more about Pasture Nick um, and the Wall Society. He wounds up getting tortured to death by interior police, but you kind of learn more about his backstory and stuff. He becomes relevant, even after death. Scout activity gets frozen because pretty much Erwin is deemed a traitor. Um, the Reese family um, apparently is the true royal family because they have the bloodline of... They have blood of the founding titan in their bloodline. So that's just something that kind of gives them this unique power that not a lot of people can have, and I'll get into that later. Um, Levi versus First Interior Squad. This scene was so awesome. Uh, Kenny 
and Levi meet for the first time, and it's incredibly entertaining. Incredibly entertaining. One sec here. But we find out that these military police are corrupt. They're, le they're being led by this guy, Kenny, who we later find out is working for the Reese family. And these, these interior police officers have this new type of ODM gear to where they're like firing buckshot. So it's perfectly made for killing people, not titans. Um, so that just kind of goes to my point that the military police are like corrupt in that sense. Um, well, they were. Levi versus Kenny, that first battle was incredibly sick, kind of revo kind of reverting back to that. I just thought that that was a really well, like, orchestrated fight scene. thought it was really interesting. I thought that we got to see a lot of, like, backstory on, like, at least chemistry-wise, uh, Levi and Kenny at the time. Um, I would also just like to shout out uh, to still, I kind of got to give, you know, my favorite character right now, well, after season three, is Erwin. I think he's been the most impactful, but R.I.P. Erwin. Um, I'm still going to be rocking with Gene. He had a really, like, rough moment with Armin, or Ehrman. Um He was, like, contemplating the fact that he had to kill other people. Like, they'd never ran into that problem, because they were always fighting titans, always, you know, fighting those massive, like beasts and now that there's a you know portion of the you know humanity that is definitely uh holding secrets and pulling strings he has to take action against them and it was a really powerful kind of scene about him like struggling to just like wrap his head around like man i actually have to kill this person like what if they're nice what if they have a family and i thought that was really important um but yeah, no, it was a really big moment for Gene's character when they were fighting Kenny's men, um, trying to rescue Aaron. Another thing that we definitely find out about the, uh, the Titans' power in this season is that um, if you're a human clad, if you're a human Titan clad, you can get other Titans' powers by cannibalizing that person. So that's crazy to think about. But uh, we definitely see quite a few, uh, not only flashbacks, but attempts uh, in present time uh, with that. But the Wall Society is also something else that I, I was hoping to get more answers on in this season. We didn't get much. I mean, Pasture Nick is dead. You know, there's a trail and a little story arc there, but they don't really give us much on that yet. Um, but the Wall Society, I feel like, is very important. I see I notated here Erwin is a G. Um, his father was killed by government because I actually really, you know, found his backstory interesting. His father, Erwin's father, was a teacher and he had to lie to children all day in the classroom. But when, he, when him and his son went home, he would give his son as much truth as possible. And I think that's what made Erwin such like a great leader. Um... Because he always knew the truth before other people and he was able to read, react, and, you know, make cold, calculated decisions. And, I mean, sadly, you know, the, the scout regiments, you know, never really saw much victory, but they did, you know, see at least a couple victories with him uh, at helm. Um, 
Another big factor is Historia is true is a true royal heir to the throne. Um, the entire government was propped up on a fake king, and Erwin had to pretty much get his get his neck out of the noose, if you will, because he was genuinely going to be executed for treason. Um, but he played a hunch and executed a coup on a fake government, and then they kind of tried, or at least attempted to give the power back to the people, but now they're kind of just going things at a military perspective to just ensure that humanity is safe. Um, I would also like to notate here that Hange, or Hange, uh, Zoe Hange, I believe that's how you say her name, uh, she's really insane, but also incredibly smart and emotionally led. She's one of my, like, sleeper characters. I think she's, like, she has the skill, but she's also, like, the scientist. And I, I find it pretty cool that she wants to capture the Titans and study them uh, just to find out more. Because curiosity kills the cat. Um, new DM, yeah, new ODM gear for the military police. It's, like, perfect for killing scouts. Uh, again, they fire this, like, buck shot or this canister shot. Um as they're able to like repel around and it just literally just mows down people. Um, there was also a moment to where um, the scouts were being, I, I mentioned scout activity was frozen. It was because again, Erwin was being charged for treason. He was going to be executed. The scouts were being hunted by uh, the military police. So a guy named Marlo and a um, girl named Hitch, they, they find Levi and a remnant squad of scouts and um, they're held as hostage. And Levi and you know his group explain relatively in simple terms why they're doing what they're doing and it's because they're doing it for the greater service of humanity. And they wound up convincing these these hostages well, one of them's name is obviously Marlo like I mentioned um, who actually comes in later in the season to be a fucking G um, but then you know on they're they're about to let the hostages go and Gene you know offers like he's like yo Levi let me let me test them to see if they're actually they'll be loyal to us so he did, and he snapped into, like, a serial killer type mode, bro, and I thought he was legitimately, like, crashing out, and I thought that was a really fire scene. Um, yeah, and I also notated here that Marlo is loyal and, like, really emotional, but um, actually has a purpose, like, wants to find purpose, at least. Um, and I also, there was a lot of, like, torture scenes in the earlier episodes of this season, so... I, I put down here, Levi is stone cold slash torturer. Um, there was a lot of like really, really cool scenes regarding like, I know he kicked some guy's teeth out of his fucking mouth and shit. I thought that was really awesome. Um, yeah, also another thing to to remember here that I, I put down, Kenny, Levi, and Mikasa all have the last name Ackerman or Ackerman. So that's something that I'm going to have to continue to look out for because they still haven't touched too much on that besides Kenny's backstory, which they really only connected Kenny and Levi, which was also he, he kind of trained Levi and made him who he is today through, you know, routine and just kind of Levi is going to grow up and want to be who he's growing up around and Kenny was there. So 
Also, during the coup, Commander Pixis was prepared to... Um, Prixis, I believe. It was a, prepared to literally kill everyone that was, you know, trying to accomplish the same goal, but go about it differently. And he was going to assume command, but, you know, he wound up playing a hunch. And I, you'll, you'll know. I mean, I just wanted to mention his name at least once because he's been a consistent factor in the show. Um, I would also like to maybe just talk about... Uh, Hmm. Oh, Niall, I like him for the military police. He was like a he's like a commander. Uh, him and Irwin were or, or genuinely G's, especially um Irwin was locked up and being held, you know, in like a military prison. Uh he Niall and him had a legitimate combo and Irwin's really beat up and he was asking Niall how his wife and child were, and you know, it seemed like Irwin cared, and Niall responded well to that, and then he actually uh, made a decision uh, and acted against the government or the fake one at the time, and surprised the room. Um, another thing, I thought I thought King Fitz was Beast, the Beast Titan, but you know, we later find out who is. Um, but he looks the same, so I'm thinking, what if it's like, you know, maybe his son's the Beast Titan. But the um, Ackerman's bloodline is like a warrior bloodline meant to protect the king, and that goes back a while. And apparently, um, you know, their family did something to essentially make the fake government sever ties with them. And I imagine it was their loyalty to the true bloodline. Um, yeah, the human-clad titan cannibalism to gain powers of other titans. I mentioned that earlier, but again, you see that more and more throughout this season. You get to see what these titans are actually capable of. And it's fucking insane how deep it goes. Um, and how in-depth and detailed some of these powers are and some of these storylines are. It's really impressive. Um... Grisha Jaeger stole Historia's sister's titan's power, and apparently Historia's sister, Frida, had the power of the founding titan, and Jaeger, uh, Aaron Jaeger's father stole those powers because Aaron Jaeger, his father, um, Grisha Jaeger, uh, actually came from outside the walls. Um, being banished like every titan was before. Every titan is a person. Um, also, just some more, I guess, explanation and backstory. There's three levels of the military. The military police, the garrison, and scout regiments. And then also, dating back to the actual dynamic of, I guess, the wall. Like, the the actual hub of humanity is the Eastern clan, the Ackermans, and the king and his government, and um, those were split up, and they, they give a legitimate storyline and, like, an actual throwback episode to a lot of these more detailed um, situations and uh, information with the government and stuff, but um, I would also like to notate Irwin and Levi are legitimate homies. They they have so many great moments in this season uh, of brotherhood and just epicness. Um, another thing I would like to say is uh, Reiner is the person that killed Marco. 
Uh, and he took his ODM gear and they left him for a Titan because Marco overheard Reiner and Bernald uh, during one of the first missions as all of them as scouts um, talking about them turning into my Titan. No, that I'm going to turn into my Titan right now. And he overheard that and then they just couldn't let him get away. So just a sad event. And, you know, Gene you know, found that out. That would you know, devastate Gene because him and Marco were homies and Marco was clever enough to realize that, oh shit, those guys are, you know, probably the Titans that we've been looking for. And they wound up killing and I'm, I'm glad they did a flashback for uh, some of these other question marks around some of the other side characters and stuff. I think it's important to show that they uh, care about the detail because um, that's where a lot of the... Um, the, the juices of the story in a sense and there are so many twists in this show that it just drives you insane at certain points but you can only enjoy them at the end of the day mainly because it's just so entertaining um, okay so there was also the founding um, Titan's main power it was the it's like a it's a psychic ability to make people forget and to like kind of hypnotize them, but also fog their memory as a as an entire race. Um, I I think it is probably more of a psychic power. They didn't say it like that, but they said that this Titan was able to make people forget about the origins of humanity and where they actually came from. So. This could legitimately just be some kind of fucked up, like, mind prison for some of these people. And they're just being fucking, like, there's legit zoo animals to titans and shit. It's just a feeding ground. Um, who knows? I guess we'll find out. There's three season fours, though, so I'm, I don't even know what's going to happen. And they're still making it, I'm pretty sure. But apparently, since... Grisha Yeager inherited the Reese's family's uh, Titan powers and the founding Titan power. It was passed on to Aaron because Aaron accidentally ate his own father when he was young and and his father was injecting him with that uh, Titan spinal fluid shot that turns them right into um, a, a Titan, which means that the people that are human clad it means they're Eldians, I believe, is the is the phrase that I'm looking for there. The Eldians are an old race of people, or just a race of, or a type of people, that can turn into a Titan if you inject Titan fluid inside them. So that's just something that, you know, you can think about in that kind of term, but it just shows you that all these Titans are actually people as well. Um, but it's just... It sucks for Aaron because he mistakenly inherited this power and this destiny. And now he's been forced upon this path. Um, but the Reese Titan is larger than the Colossal Titan. Um, which was a really cool Titan. I think it was... Uh, I don't know which one it was. I don't know what it was called. It looked like a goddamn fucking worm. Um, but it was massive. Um, another person that I think is going to be relevant in later seasons is Yuri. Uh, I saw him in flashbacks with the Reese family, but he looked like a very powerful tight, a human-clad Titan guy. So we'll see about Yuri. Keep an eye out or an ear out for Yuri. But Grisha Yeager was a wandering Titan, appeared to have amnesia to me. But like I explained, he was banished from his um, city on the mainland because apparently where this three-layered of wall city is is 
on a small island in an excluded or a banished king's kingdom. Um, so we got a little more backstory on where they are and what the walls are and what is going on in the whole world. Um, but we still haven't seen the mainland. We, you know, we saw, we, they found uh, Gresha Yeager's basement. They saw the portrait. They found the books. They have a lot more to do and a long way to go. But the Beast Titan escaped. Reiner escaped. Bernalt is dead. Um, so many things happened. The Levi fight with the Beast Titan was sick. Um, he Levi is just sick. Um, Keith found Aaron's dad and left the command of the scouts upon their return of the loss of 250,000 scouts and asked Erwin to take over and take charge because Keith apparently, and this is Commander, I, I don't know his last name, his last name now, but you see him towards the end of the show explaining his connection to um, Gresha Yeager, Aaron Yeager's father. Uh, and that's a very important couple episodes there for sure. But we find out that the Beast Titan's human name is War Chief Zeke. So that's someone I'm going to be looking for as well. Um, Marlowe led the charge versus the Beast Titan. There was a suicidal charge that Erwin had pretty much set up that, you know, this is the only way to distract him while Levi approaches from a unsuspected position. So Erwin and the remaining scouts lead a suicidal cavalry charge and Marlowe and Flotch, it's literally made up of, of, of rookies and, and Irwin. And they charge at the beast, firing smoke um, canisters and trying to draw his attention away from Levi, Captain Levi. And, you know, Irwin actually gets hit on the first rock um, thrown, pretty much. Because the beast titan was crunching up rocks and just throwing them at waves of horsemen, uh, cavalry, pretty much. Um all the all the scouts were on their horsebacks, and Irwin goes down, gets hit in the gut with a massive like piece of boulder, and Marlowe's like, "We can't look back now. We got to move forward," you know, and just leading everyone forward to the objective, even though it was suicide, quite literally. Um, and you know, in his final moments before he perished, he was like, "You know, what am I doing at this time?" Where, what, where would Hitch be? And then it cut to a picture of her in bed, and he's like, "Oh, that's right. She's in bed now. That's okay. I'm all right now. She's all right." And then he, you know, looks up, and then a massive uh, piece of boulder just dis- like I think it just decimates his skull. Um, you know, but he led a charge. You know, did what he had to do. And, you know, it it was sad to see Marlowe go because he had a couple of really cool moments, not only in this season, but as a um, garrison soldier in season two, we got to see a little bit of Marlowe and how actually he cared for humanity and cared for what was right, had a moral high ground and it was rare to see, and especially in this world, um, you'll see him interact with Annie in season two and and stuff like that. So just a, just a side character that's actually not not a bad one. Um, 
another thing I'd like to say besides we find besides us finding out about War Chief Zeke and what he looks like and what his intentions seem to be. Um, he is the Beast Titan, but he also has a Quadruple Titan, which is like an, a, a like a dog Titan almost. That's smart. It can actually speak. Um, and this Quadruple Titan was carrying luggage around, so he is a complete homie to War Chief Zeke, and they're both very smart. So they they kind of piggyback off off of each other to succeed, or at least survive. Um, another thing I would like to just briefly touch on was um, Commander Irwin's death, and it was lit. Not lit by any means. Lit as in badass. Um, again, you kind of heard what happened. He's leading a charge, gets destroyed by a rock. Um, but at the end of the day, like his speeches, his camaraderie, his leadership... His intuition, like he is one of the most complex characters I think I've ever seen or like seen depicted on screen. Not in regards to like, like he's a complicated dude, but like when you put the story into perspective, put it the situations and scenarios and lie them out in front, and then you have to calculate this, this the decisions that he's made. And then when you just tie it all in with obviously the cosmetics and the dialogue and stuff, it, it's just he's so fucking cool. And I, I, you know, I think he's probably gonna be my favorite character when the show's said and done, and I, you know, rewatch it again in a couple years. But you know, as far as season three, it was definitely a, a near ten out of ten for me. I think this was definitely better than season two, um, but this was definitely you know almost as good as season one. And I'm definitely looking forward to continuing the show and getting into Season 4, Part 1. And then obviously the other two Season 4s, because apparently this show has three Season 4s. So it's going to be interesting to see. But again, just th this show has so many twists, so many additions to the plotline, so many layers to the story that it just makes it incredibly interesting and incredibly captivating. You don't want to stop. I mean, once you're hooked in the story, you're hooked. And that's just how it's going to go. But uh, if you guys enjoyed this inter uh, kind of independent, in-depth review on this uh, on this great show, that uh, shout out to Brandon and Logan for putting me on and talking to me on our Death Note series review episode uh, about it in depth to get me even more hooked into the, just the storyline of it. But I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And this is Trevor. Uh, make sure you guys are following us on Instagram at Tea Time Reports and on Twitter at Tea Time Reports as well. Uh, and uh, this is Trevor again, signing off. Take care, everyone.